Hello, friends. I am coming to you from my closet, as you guys know. I mean, let's just set up the aesthetic, actually, for a second. If you don't know, I recorded my closet. Honestly, it has a great sound setup, so no complaints for me. And I have those, like, clear drawers. You know, the ones that you can get from Target? They're, like, the room essentials one. I know you guys know. <laughs> and I have my speaker set up on the top of them. It actually makes for a great sound quality. And then my headphones on and I have my, my computer on the ground. And then on top of that, it's 7.37 at night, about a few hours away from when I'm supposed to release this podcast. And I'm recording because that was just how the cookie crumbled today. I do not typically procrastinate to record at this point in time. But, you know, things got a little crazy today. So then, of course, I'm also equipped with beverages because hot girls, which all of us are hot girls, know the three beverage rule. So I currently have my large Stanley, which I will say is currently on Prime and Amazon. So if you've been looking for one, it's the time. They are worth it because there's a straw and they're 40 ounces. I mean, come on, what's better? Then I have my mix of calm tea. It's, well, no, it's actually not calm tea. I have my Bigelow Benefits calm stomach tea because, you know, my um, stomach is a little iffy today. Not really sure why. And then I also have my throat coat tea. If you know throat coat, you know how good it is. So I have those mixed together. They're steeping right now. And then last but not least, I have a very fresh can of Coke, which is amazing, Coca-Cola. And I'm actually wearing my Coca-Cola fleece that I just, just thrifted from a thrift store in Austin called Pavement. If you live in Austin, you need to go to Pavement. I literally get the best scores there ever. It's my favorite thrift store. And... We're, we're ready to record. I don't really know why I just went through all the links to set that visual up for you, but it just felt right. You know, it felt right in the moment. And that's kind of how today's chat is going to be. I want it to feel like it's just me and you, you know, shooting, shooting the S word. <laughs> I decided I wasn't going to cuss on this podcast because it is like flagged by Apple or something when you do. And it just seems so confident or confident complicated, not confident. Anyways, let's get onto the topic before I ramble on and on forever. So I sat down to record today where I started to think about recording and I went through all the topics that we have coming up that we have notes for and that we've researched, which first of all are freaking amazing. We're going to be talking about Noom here soon. The whole trend of like balancing your blood sugar, how many desserts you should eat and how often you should eat them, seed cycling, so many cool things but they just weren't resonating with me today. And when a podcast topic doesn't resonate with me, I am a jumbled mess trying to articulate myself. And so I knew it wasn't right. But when I tried to ask myself what I wanted to talk about, this topic just kept coming up of my recovery journey. And if you've listened to the podcast, you may know that on episode number three, which I'll have linked in the show notes, I share my story and I've shared my story before, and I talk about how I developed an eating disorder and what it was like, and I talk about my recovery journey and all that stuff, but I feel like for me, I kind of skim through the actual recovery piece of it. And part of the reason why I do that, that I was recognizing today, is because I do have an element of shame about 
my recovery journey. I feel like I didn't go about it the traditional way. I didn't necessarily take the quote unquote right steps. It, it wasn't what I would tell anyone else nowadays to do. And for a while, I felt almost embarrassed by that. Like, how can you even promote that you can help people recover when you didn't do it the right way, even if you are recovered now? But what I was recognizing today is that that's so ridiculous because the whole reason why I created the program Live Unrestricted that I created, the whole reason why I'm so passionate about helping people with recovery is because I have one of those, (laughs) not like do is, what is the right phrase that I'm looking for? Learn what I did so you don't do what I do. I don't know if that's a phrase, but I'm going to go with it. Type of journeys. And it's nothing to be ashamed of because it got me to where I am today. But if this podcast episode can help just one person with wherever you're at in your recovery journey, decide to keep going or decide to start or decide not to give up, then it is so freaking worth it. So that's what we're going to be doing today. I have rough notes written down, but I also kind of just want this to be like casual and just us being able to talk. So I will say, I literally just burped along with that. Should I cut it out? Oh God. I just, we'll just keep going. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) I will say that If you are lost in terms of where to go with starting healing your relationship with food and body image and exercise or starting recovery, my program Live Unrestricted is such a wonderful place to do this. I've never been more confident and more proud of anything I've done in my life than this program because I've now run five groups and seen hundreds of women completely transform and find food freedom and find body acceptance and find that balance in their relationship with exercise in just 16 weeks. And this is our last round of 2022 that we'll be running, this next one that's coming up very soon. And it's also the last time we will offer it at this price. There's so much support. It is something that I am, I just couldn't, I can't even speak about how proud I am of this program and of the women that go through it. So if you are interested, I will leave the link below to apply and you can always reach out to me via DM with any questions. So now that the announcements are done, now that I've given the disclaimers, last disclaimer I have to give actually really, really quickly. I will be talking about recovery. I will be talking about eating disorders. I'm not going to use specific numbers or weights or calories or anything like that. But if you don't feel like this is the right time for you to listen to something like this or maybe triggering for you, always feel free to click out of this podcast. You can return when it makes sense or you never have to listen if it doesn't make sense for you. Last disclaimer. Now let's dive in. So As you guys may know, my eating disorder started around sophomore year of high school, junior year of high school. Guys, when I tell you that I did not even think, literally did not even think I had a problem until about my sophomore year, I mean it. Like, it wasn't even that I was quote unquote in denial. Like, I obviously was when I look back on it, but it's, you know how when you have denial you know the truth, but you're denying the truth. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you know that what you're doing is wrong, but you're just telling yourself it isn't. It wasn't like that. I genuinely did not think I was doing anything wrong. And yeah, I think it's wild as well. 
And I feel like it was definitely perpetuated by my environment of being in college and also the obsession that I had with healthy food. So it was different than something that people are, are a little bit more critical over. But I just didn't even think that I would ever have to change my my lifestyle. I thought that this would be my life forever, that I would just obsess about healthy foods and count my calories and obsess about exercise for the rest of my life. And that's how I really wanted it to be. I genuinely thought that's what I love to do. I was actually talking about this in this week of Live Unrestricted. And they were asking me, how do you eat foods that are fear foods if you don't even crave those foods? And that is such a good question because that was literally me. If someone asked me, oh, you know, do you want a piece of cake. I'm just using a random example. I would genuinely say with wholehearted belief that I did not want one and I didn't. But that wasn't because I didn't want cake. Like I freaking love cake. I was literally having carrot cake two days ago and wow, was it so delicious. I love a cream cheese frosting. But outside of the cake conversation, <laughs> it was because I had shut off that part of my brain that even allowed myself to have these cravings. And I didn't even think of those foods in that way anymore. That's how in denial I really was. So I still remember the first time where I even thought about challenging this. And it wasn't something that was actually really well thought out. I've actually told the story on the first podcast, so I'm not going to tell the whole story here again. But it was on a trip that I went on in Vegas. (laughs) And we woke up late and we had been drinking all earlier in the day. And I basically didn't have a choice whether I ate or, well, I I had the choice of not eating or having pizza. And I chose to get pizza, especially because I was under the pressure of like being with someone I didn't know and whatever. That was the first time where I had even had a food that was outside of my rules in so many years. And I do feel like that was kind of the moment that opened the floodgates for me. So this was the first semester of my sophomore year of college. But I will say, and I want to emphasize at this time, I did not think, I feel like I said that weird. I want to emphasize that at this time when I had that pizza, I in no way was thinking oh, okay, this is like a good step or this is starting recovery. Like that was not how I felt at all. I do remember feeling really emotional, like it was a big deal for me, but I couldn't quite pinpoint why. It wasn't even necessarily an excitement. I would say maybe there was a sense of relief, the sense of relief from being able to let go of these rules that I had held on to so strictly for so many years that I just was so attached to. And I remember calling my mom and kind of trying to convey it to her. But obviously, from her viewpoint, it was super confusing. Like, how would you know how to respond? Like, do you say, oh, that's awesome? Or do you say, oh, how are you feeling? You know, so no one really got it. No one really got how I was feeling. And I know now that there were tons of people that would have gotten exactly how I was feeling, but no one in my immediate circle understood what that moment was really like for me. And so I think that what ended up transpiring from there was a really challenging cognitive dissonance and even just like 
such a battle. Like, it, that's the best way to put it. It was a freaking battle. I was drinking a lot at this point in my life. There was a lot of other stuff going on for me mental health wise. And what ended up happening, it was this like constant push and pull of, okay, I need to stick to these rules. Like these rules are good for me. These rules keep this body that I have. These rules make me perfect. These rules make me good enough. These rules make me lovable. On top of, I'm so exhausted. I'm breaking. I can't do this anymore. And those played out in my actions. So it would be the whole week that I would be following these rules. And then it would be the weekend or when we would go out. And there would be these moments that I would break. But I would be so embarrassed about it. You know, I remember my closest friend at the time, there was another time where we walked by this pizza place. I was like, I have to have that pizza. I need to do this. I, I have to have it. And I was so ashamed I, I didn't feel like it, it was almost like I couldn't show anybody because it was my identity. Like it was who I was. I was like, what are people going to know me for? What are people going to think about me if I don't have this healthy front? And not to mention, I also had an Instagram at the time that was like a health Instagram too. And so I felt even more pressure to maintain the standard that everyone believed that I wanted to be at. So that was all of the second semester of my sophomore year. Was that, was it all second semester? I can't remember if the first, I don't even remember if the first one. Yeah, I think it was first semester. And then this kind of continued into second semester and it never really like improved. It kind of just like fluctuated, went up and down at different times. But then I went abroad. I would say that going abroad and not to be this cliche person, let me just call that out right away. Like I know people say this all the time about going abroad and it's not about going abroad. I think it was about leaving the lifestyle confines that I had put myself into and even just breaking out of an environment that I had struggled in Going away for that summer, I did a program that was six weeks long with other people from my school, was really freeing for me. And I remember starting the program and really trying to still kind of maintain some of my rules. I tried to still eat a certain way and exercise a certain way, but I found out really quickly that it it honestly wasn't realistic. It just wasn't something that I was going to be able to do with the schedule and the way that things were set up. Like we were going to class all day, like 8 to 6 p.m. And on top of that, we would go out like crazy hours. Like we would literally go out until like 7 a.m. sometimes. I don't know how I did this. I think now about how I go to bed at literally like 9 (laughs) p.m. I'm like, who was I? But I realized soon that it just wasn't going to be something that could happen. So although I would kind of still try to cling to these rules and ways and be restrictive in certain ways, I wasn't really able to do it. And towards the end of the journey, I kind of just started to let go. 
the first half we were in Barcelona and then the second half we were in Prague and Prague had just so many different like unique types of foods. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Prague, but they have these things called like tread links or something. I don't know. They're the most delicious things I've ever tasted in my entire life. I literally want to go back to Prague for many reasons, but specifically for this thing, it's like they put it on like this cone and they like put it over these coals. I don't even know. It's like a churro mixed with a cinnamon roll with the most doughy deliciousness ever. And then they put ice cream into it. Oh my God. Anyways, I swear I had a hundred of those at the end because I was like, you know what? I just don't care anymore. I just want to be able to enjoy food. I just want to be able to live my life. But I would be lying to you if I said that it wasn't also hard for me. I obsessed about how my body looked and I really clung on to this idea of, oh, I'm walking enough or, oh, like my clothes still fit or this or that or the other. You know, there was always, always something that I was clinging on to. And it was a really freeing experience for me to take that time off of exercise and to actually enjoy the foods that I wanted and to just feel like I was able to live and just have so many wonderful, wonderful experiences. But then I got home and I absolutely spiraled. And I share this part not because I am trying to show negative sides or act like my journey was so hard, but because I cannot tell you how many women have come to me so embarrassed that they feel like they've relapsed or that they've messed up. Hold on, I need to take a sip of my tea. <clears throat> That see that throw coat is doing his job. And it makes me so sad because most people I've met with struggles with food and body image, we're so freaking hard on ourselves, And that applies to recovery. It's like the first time that we take a step back, we're like, nah, you failed. Give up. You're a loser. Of course you couldn't do this. You failed this just like everything else. See, I knew that you were the exception. I knew this wouldn't work for you. I knew you shouldn't have even tried. That was such a waste of time. That was such a waste of money. Blah, 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 blah. It's like that negative voice takes our one ounce of doubt and it just clings onto it for dear life. And it tells us that we we don't even matter and that it, we should just give up. And I had that moment. I've had it multiple times, okay? Trust me. But I especially had it in that time. And it was awful. And the problem was I hadn't told anyone at this point my struggles and I masked them. I would say very well. I've had people tell me that after the fact, but at least I thought I did. I'm sure there were people that saw through it, but not enough so that they, they said something or they know the, knew the effect that it was having. And so I didn't have any support when that feeling came up. And so when I got back, I went into the most destructive habits I could possibly go into. I was reeling from the fact that I felt like I had had so much freedom to then feeling like that freedom was taken away from me in, in multiple ways. And I was in a relationship. It wasn't even an actual, what, what would we call it today? I feel like today they call it like a situationship. But anyways, I was in this 
situation with this person that was also really struggling and he was also not in a good place and it was kind of like an atomic bomb was waiting to take off. And I won't go into the habits that I was engaging in because I don't feel like it's necessarily helpful at all. But I will say that I almost started to swing in the opposite direction direction of more restriction than even the orthorexic restriction I had done in the past. And I mentioned this because don't allow your eating disorder to convince you that just because you're doing something different, it's not restrictive or it's not negative, I guess I should say. It's not still your eating disorder. It's not still your disordered habits. I think I thought because I was doing something different than before that I was actually, it was fine, but it wasn't. And uh, I keep going back and forth on if I really want to talk about this and if it's even helpful, but I feel like it is. When I, when I got back home, I had already been suffering and had suffered from some traumatic experiences in my life, specifically around sexual encounters with men. And I had a traumatic experience that completely just rocked me right when I got back. And it was when I was so vulnerable and when I was so alone and I wouldn't even allow myself to believe that it wasn't my fault. And... I know that you may be wondering, you know, how does this connect to your recovery journey? But something that I see so often is that we don't actually take into account how all of the things in our life are affecting our recovery. We like to think about it in this little box that has this like perfect little ribbon tied around it and that nothing else should affect it. And I beat myself up over and over about the fact that I wasn't able to just keep everything in that little box and make it perfect, just like everything else in my life that I tried to make perfect. But that's not how life works. And don't discount the other experiences that are going on. And the way that you cope with them. Because we have to give ourselves grace to recognize that we're just doing the best we can with what we've been given. And that doesn't mean that we need to keep our ED or disordered habits forever. We want to learn more coping mechanisms. But it also does mean that you have to be more forgiving of yourself. So that happened. And that just contributed to my spiral even more. And also just my absolute obsession with thinking that my body was my worth. And that 
the only way people would would love me or give me attention or think I was worthy was it was based off how I looked. And so I went back to school my junior year and I was in a horrible place. I mean, it was it was truly my rock bottom. I was having what I've now found out to be a, a, not, I shouldn't say normal, but a reaction that can happen from sexual traumas of these, like, things that appeared like seizures, but they weren't seizures happening every single day. I was barely functioning. I was restricting where I couldn't think well. I was utilizing different coping mechanisms like drinking and caffeine even, like to such an extreme that was really not serving me. And I really didn't know where else I was going to go. I felt like I didn't know what I would do. And the semester before, I actually forgot to say this. So the semester before, I actually had started going to a therapist. This was before I went abroad. And she was really wonderful. Um, I will say I completely tried to <laughs> skate around the topics that I should have talked about with her. I was always talking about like my boy problems or just like ridiculous stuff that was not important. I shouldn't say ridiculous and undermine myself, but just in the context of what I was dealing with at the time, I think it was so funny how I fixated on these things. But again, I, I didn't even really believe that I had issues at the time with food. So it wouldn't have been something I brought up, even though I was more in denial at that point, actually. Like I knew there was something wrong, but I didn't want to believe it. So when I came back my junior year, I thought to myself, okay, maybe I should get help again. So I remember going in to the office there was like this campus health office where you would go and it was like on the fourth floor. And I remember it was so funny because we would all like sit in that room and all wait to get like our evaluation sheets. And everyone would just be like staring back and forth at each other. And you'd be like, oh my gosh, do I know that person? Like, do I not know that person? Like, what's going on with you? Like, just like so awkward, you know? And it's like those little things that make you not want to get help because it's like you don't want people to know. Like you feel embarrassed, you feel ashamed which is so silly because we all deal with our own issues. But I remember feeling that way. And I went through this whole process. I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to go back to working with her. And I left the office after my little like eval that they did. Cause for some reason they had to like re eval every person that came in, like depending on the semester, cause we had like stopped working together and then I wanted to start again. And when they sent me my matches, I was so confused because I didn't see my therapist's name. Shout out Megan. Um, she was awesome. And she told, they told me, oh, that she doesn't work here anymore. She ended up going and doing like her own practice. And, oh, at the time I remember feeling the weirdest sense of relief and also dismay and embarrassment all at once. And I really feel like this is something that should be talked about more because whenever you try to seek out help and it does or does not work out, you are going to have both emotions present and they can be in differing degrees. 
But if you get help and you finally do something like commit to working with someone or to commit to a program like Live Unrestricted or whatever it is, you're going to feel excited or hopeful or, you know, looking forward to the change. And simultaneously, there will be a part of you that's afraid. There will be a part of you that is dreading it. There will be a part of you that wishes that you didn't. The same thing is true of the opposite case scenario where you try to get help and it doesn't end up working out. And there's a part of you that feels relief, that part of you that feels happy, the part of you, that ED, that negative voice part of you that's like, thank God, see, you weren't meant to do it. Listen to the signs like this isn't meant for you. You just you just got to keep going on your own or you don't need help or whatever else your your voice, that negative voice wants to tell you. And I talk about this a lot when it comes to recovery, because I hear about it all the time when I do consults with people for Live Unrestricted, and and I dealt with it too, as I'm explaining to you guys. It's that's like, should I feel 100% ready? Should I feel 100% excited? And I want to clearly, clearly say to you, no. I always say that all you need to be is 51% ready and 49% not ready at all. And sometimes it's even just being 10% ready and like 90% not ready, but you're ready enough that you want to take the chance. That's what this is all about. That is what recovery is about. And that will change slowly but surely. It will continue to kind of get easier and easier and easier as, as you go through and you get more confidence. But don't let the feelings of not being excited or being scared convince you that that means recovery isn't for you. Don't let one time of trying to find a therapist or going back to someone or looking at a program or talking to a dietitian or going to a treatment option or doing a consult not working out convince you that recovery isn't for you and that that's some type of sign. Because what I've found with recovery is that honestly, there's a lot more things that don't work out before things do work out. So after that happened... After everything I just said to you, naturally, I took it as a sign of, you know what? I'm being overly dramatic. I don't need help. Like, it's all good. I just don't need to worry about it. Well, at the same time, my mental health, but also my eating disorder started to take a turn for the worse. And it turned into me really going to the extremes with what I had already mentioned to you was happening my sophomore year. You know, it was such intense binge eating that I had never experienced. And for someone that had felt so in control around food, you know, like I would only eat the things that fit my rules and I never had to worry about missing a day at the gym because I knew that I had the quote-unquote willpower and I never even wanted quote-unquote those quote-unquote bad foods, that's a lot of quote-unquotes, to go from that to then feeling like I literally had no control over what I ate. I felt like I ate everything I saw, especially when I was drinking. It was horrendous. In, in my opinion, like, of course, this is exaggerated in my head. But at the time, I was like, I, I'm losing it. Like, I literally am losing it. My body started to change again after abroad it had changed. And 
and that sent me again into a spiral. And yet I feel like at that time, my mental health and my resilience had just been worn down. And this isn't a good way because resilience in terms of your eating disorder or your struggles with food isn't necessarily a positive because it continues to perpetuate the cycle. But anyways, I was worn down finally. And my body just said, no, we're not doing this anymore. Like we cannot handle these rules. We can't handle not being fed enough. We cannot handle everything you're trying to throw at us. You have to stop. And this is such an important part, guys, because there's this quote that I've seen and I wish I remember who it was by, but I can't to save the life of me and I can never find Instagram, although I swore I saved it. There's this quote that says, you have to choose your rest days from exercise because if you don't choose them, they'll choose themselves. And that is so true when it comes to recovery, in my opinion, and from what I've seen. There will be a time when this perfect little world that we feel like we can create with our struggles with food starts to implode. And you get pushed to the point of living in misery or choosing recovery. And I'm not saying that in the thick of the ED that doesn't, it's not so present that it isn't miserable in itself already. But there are times in the beginning of my ED where it felt like I was on top of the world and everything was right. At least I was able to convince myself of that. But this was a point where I was like, no, it's not. And I actually remember finally realizing at this point, like, I have a problem. And what's so funny is I see this a lot. It's not funny. I shouldn't say that. What is interesting is that I see this a lot. I have a lot of women that come to me and they just realize that they have a problem and the problem is binge eating, right? And the binge eating is what has made them go seek help because they don't like it. They feel like they're totally out of control. Maybe their their clothes are fitting differently and they're like, I just eat everything in sight. I have no control over food and all that stuff. But what was what was happening before this binge eating started? Almost always years and years or at least months or weeks of restriction. But it doesn't scare us to think about restriction. It scares us to think about not having control. So with all that being said, this was the point where I was like, enough is enough. And you would have thought that I would have gone to a dietitian, considering I was literally in school to be a dietitian. You would have thought I would have tried to go find a different therapist or looked into a program or done something. But because I'm stubborn as heck, I thought to myself, mm, I can do this on my own. I've got this under control. I'm fine. Although my, I literally was that um, meme where there's like that little dog with the glasses on, or maybe he doesn't have glasses on. I don't know why I'm thinking of him with glasses on. That's like surrounded by fire. That's like, everything is fine. Like that was me at that point in time in more areas than just in my relationship with food. But at least we were recognizing that there was a problem, right? At least we were trying. But the problem was I was in too deep to do it on my own, really, in a way that wouldn't be quite miserable. 
but I convinced myself that nothing would work for me. I told myself all the time that I was the exception and that no one would understand me because I was a dietetics major, that no one knew as much as me, that no one would get it, that I was different than everyone else's struggles, that I had tried everything and no one could tell me something that was going to work, that I had lasted on my own for so long and without telling anybody and I didn't want to tell anybody and I was like, I don't need support. I didn't have much money and I would have had to ask my parents realistically probably to cover something, which I didn't feel comfortable with, partially because I didn't want to ask them, although I know they would have helped me, which I'm very, very, very privileged to have and I do not want to in any way undersell how lucky I am to have parents that would have would have done what they could to help or even to have financial options, but I convinced myself out of doing that because I thought it would be worse telling them and I didn't want them to waste their money or to waste my own money if I didn't believe it was going to work. And even if I wasn't wasting money and someone had said, hey, do this with me for free, I would have said, well, I don't want to waste the time. I don't have time to do it. It's not the, It's not a good time to do this right now. I literally, guys, came up with every single excuse in the book. I could name off hundreds of excuses, literally hundreds that I utilized as to why I couldn't do it. I even went into the fact that, you know, I, I didn't want my body to change, of course, all that kind of stuff. But even I thought to myself, oh, well, no one's going to want to work with, with a dietitian that that has to deal with this stuff. No one's going to want to work with a dietitian that that, you know dealt with an eating disorder or isn't the perfect quote-unquote picture of health. I mean, the links that we go to to convince ourselves out of getting help is is really beyond me. It's it's wild. But just know that if you're doing the same thing, I did it too. I did it. I, I have every single woman I've ever worked with, ever, has thought that they were the exception and that nothing would work for them to some degree. And so what's the difference between me and those women that are thinking that and the women that achieve full freedom? It's them betting on themselves. It's them taking a chance. It's them taking that 51 versus that 49. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's go back to the story. So as you can imagine, I decided not to get help. I dealt with insane mental health struggles throughout that whole year that were really, really challenging that finally led me to my breaking point, really. And once I hit that breaking point, I started to take my changes more seriously. So this was going into my senior year of college. I was doing an internship at this place called Exos. And although when I look back now, I feel like in some ways I was doing a little bit of a transfer where I had focused a lot of energy on food to focusing back on exercise again. I still really started to incorporate much healthier habits. So I started doing the exact process that I talk about in my free training that I'll have linked up below. It's it's three days to food freedom and loving your body more. But I just started to break down those food fears that I had slowly but surely. And it, let me tell you, it was a lot slower than if I had done it with someone and a lot more painful. Um... But I would just take food after food and start the cycle. 
you know, adding in the things that I wasn't eating and trusting that it would work out. And it's, it started to. I was still relying on exercise too much, as I said, but I was partying less. I started to meditate daily. I started to do breath work. I started to just do things that really filled my cup. And what I realized after the fact, and I want to mention that all these things that I'm speaking to are the same tools that I have added in to live unrestricted that helped me that I don't see in other programs, which again, when I think about like the rationalization of why I went through this in this completely untraditional way, more challenging way, I have to go back to thinking that it was because I learned these tools that a lot of people don't utilize, but who knows? That's just me (laughs) spitballing and rationalizing. But I started doing things that really built up my identity outside of being the healthy friend and outside of being the fit friend. I wasn't posting on that Instagram that I had, the health Instagram, and I transitioned it into talking about different things like wellness in the sense of meditation or talked about sports nutrition, like my job that I was doing at the time. And I really, really started to feel better just in terms of my mental health, but also in terms of my physical health. And it was so wonderful to have that experience and to see that change. And I think that start really motivated me. And I think that's the thing about recovery that people don't often think about is when you start, although it's hard, there are so many wins that come from it too, guys. You start to feel more energized. You start to be able to live your life more. You get to have foods that you haven't. You're able to participate in your relationships more. You start to feel like yourself again. I mean, it truly is incredible and it masks some of that scariness that comes up. But just like any good thing that happens, there's always going to be the lows that show up again. And so the next stage of my recovery that really started to throw me back was not actually my fear of my body changing or the fear of, you know, reducing exercise, which I actually did start to do or anything like that. It was actually the bloating and the gut health challenges. And I mentioned this part because every single, I shouldn't say every single, so often women that come to me at kind of a plateau in their recovery have reached that plateau because they are essentially going back and forth between trying to heal their gut and trying to heal their eating disorder or their struggles with food. And I'm here to tell you that this is a stage in recovery that will come up for most people you will start to have gut health issues. I have a gut health podcast where I explain some of this, but let me know if you would like one specifically to restriction and like recovery. I actually have thought about creating a product about this. So let me know if you'd be interested in that. But when this happens, it's happening for a scientific reason. And I won't get into all of this now, because we don't have time and I've already been chatting for forever. But just know that there is a literal scientific reason why this comes up. And the only way to start to fix this and to continue to get to a better place is by reversing what you did. So it's by eating enough meals consistently, getting enough food in, diversifying what's in your diet. So eating those fear foods, it does not 
get better by going on some type of protocol on your gut health, by restriction, by removing foods. The only exceptions I will say to this are when people genuinely have celiac disease or a bowel obstruction or Crohn's disease, which of course, to be safe, it's always good to get tested for those things. I did not, but I also knew deep down I didn't have them. It was a product of the restriction I had been doing for so many years. And we cannot do the low FODMAP diet and all this stuff and taking all these supplements when realistically we just have to trust the process of adding stuff back in and working through the mental discomfort of seeing the bloating, of having the distension, of, you know, just dealing with pain. Like bloating sucks and gut health sucks sometimes and you're stopped up and all that crappy stuff. But also the, you know, the, the, physical, what did I say first? Now I'm losing my train of thought. It's the physical distractions and challenges and also the mental challenges of still continuing to eat the things that are scaring you, even when your body is kind of showing you that it's not agreeing with them, but it's, it's a false non-agreeance, if that makes sense. So that is really what got me just overthinking everything. But I was still able to push through it. I kept eating those foods. Gosh, I so badly wish. I, I literally think every single day how much a program like Live Unrestricted would have changed my life. Obviously working with anybody, but specifically Live Unrestricted. You know, we have so many women that are like young adults. We have women of all ages, but we do have young adults and women in college that are surrounded by such toxic environments. And I really swear if I had just been able to tell someone that would have understood it would have made such a difference but I continued forward I was still over exercising in my opinion I was doing it for a better reason of more focused on my mental health but I'm calling all of you guys out that say this it's still a disguise even if you're exercising for your mental health and recovery you are not able to separate the other negative ways or reasons why you could be exercising. And you should never have that much of an over-reliance on a coping mechanism, regardless of whether in your recovery or not. So taking breaks from exercise is the key in this scenario. So calling myself out there. But once we got through this, my second semester, I had actually really started to get to a better place. I was struggling with my health some, so that made it a little bit complicated just navigating it because, of course, then everybody's trying to throw a new set of rules onto you and figure out what it was. And at the time, I didn't know that I was dealing with chronic EBV and Lyme disease and like different stuff that that was going on. And so that was really confusing, but that was kind of like an extra hurdle that doesn't necessarily relate directly to recovery. I just wanted to share that because it did present a challenge that was different that I haven't always explained in like my whole recovery situation. But I really started to feel like I was, I was getting in a groove. Like I was, I was able to eat the things that used to be such fear foods. I was not getting into that earn your food mindset in the same way. I felt really free of a lot of rules that I had. I really started to feel like I was in a better place. But I will say that then the last pieces for me, and this is really common, were the negative self-talk and the body image. 
And this happens for so many women, guys. So if you're struggling with this and you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm doing all these things right, but like I still am down about my body, please remember to not judge your recovery off of how you feel about your body. Judging your full recovery off of how you feel about your body is like deciding whether or not you're going to have a good day based on the, or no, deciding if, wait, what am I, what is the month that, what is that, what is the analogy I'm trying to say? I have a really good analogy for this. Okay. Basically, deciding that, listening to, <laughs> my God, maybe I should just circle back, but I'm essentially saying that how you feel about your body is not actually an indication of how successful your recovery is. It's basically like saying, oh, I've already decided that today is going to be a bad day because it's raining outside, or I've already decided today is going to be a good day because it's sunny outside. Although you can have a good day on sunny days or a bad day on rainy days, you shouldn't allow the weather to depict or decide how good of a day it's going to be because you have no control over it in the long run. That was the analogy I was trying to say. I'm sorry that you had to suffer through that with me. Um, And of course, I know that there is nuance to that and we do have some control over how we feel about our body, but also sometimes, guys, we just don't. And our mental health is freaking wild and our negative thoughts can run rampant. But the difference is what you want to notice is that slowly but surely, even when you have bad body image days, bad body image moments, you don't allow yourself to take action on them. So when you have a bad body image day, your mind doesn't go to, oh my gosh, I need to do X amount of exercise today, or I need to change this of what I'm eating, or I need to earn my food or whatever it is. It's just a bad body image day. And every single person in the world, or at least I imagine if someone doesn't have bad body image days, like hit me up and let me know how that's possible. Cause I would love to hear that. But every single person, even people that don't struggle with their relationship with food and exercise, have bad body image days. Have days where they don't feel that great about their looks. And that's normal. Does that mean we want it to happen as frequently? Definitely not. And I will definitely say that the amount that this happened, at least for me personally, has decreased so much. But still, just just keep that in mind. And don't forget about um, how much that can change over time. So that was my other hurdle, really. And that was something I continued to deal with throughout that summer. It was before going into my dietetic internship. And at that point in my dietetic internship, and even over that summer, I really took the steps that I was the most afraid to take. I took long breaks during my dietetic internship from exercise. I felt really free for, you know, the first time, at least in moments, but I was still struggling with feeling trapped in a way by my Instagram that I had and also by some intolerances that I had picked up that I was still struggling to break away from back to the gut health issues and back to my mistakes that I was making Because although I was able to do that at first and I convinced myself, no, I need to take this out, it was actually a doctor that told me that and the doctor was totally wrong, which is why 
I'm not saying not to trust doctors. I just don't always think every doctor has a full understanding of eating disorder issues. And I also wasn't fully disclosing it. So anyways, back to what we were saying. I was still struggling with those intolerances and that was really holding me back. And I also felt really trapped by my Instagram. I was still sharing these like healthy recipes and stuff, which felt very off brand for me and what I was trying to do in my life. But that was all the rage during that time. And it felt like there was so much pressure to continue to do that. And would people want to follow me? And I just got in my head about these things. But instead, I started to slowly share about my actual recovery and what the journey was like for me. And so many people related. And that was the moment where I started to recognize, wow, this whole journey has been worth it. This is what I'm supposed to do. Now I just need to fully get recovered myself. So I actually believe fully that at this point in time, I would have invested in a therapist or a dietitian because I was so motivated that I really wanted help, but I wasn't able to do that. Just even for my family at that time, it didn't make sense. And for me, I was making no money working full-time in a dietetic internship. So again, it was fine in that moment where I was like, wow, I'm ready to do this. And I think that's when a lot of people come to me sometimes too, is around this point in their journey where they've taken a lot of steps. They're at a place that's way better than they were before, but they're not at that full freedom. And those are the exact words that I just describe to explain, or those are the exact words I use to describe the perfect person for Live Unrestricted. Now, people come to me for Live Unrestricted at all different points in the journey that I just described to you whether it be the very beginning of my journey, the binging part of my journey, or at the point that I'm describing now, or the gut health part. I mean, all of them. But the reason why I'm so passionate about helping women at this specific point is because this is the hardest time to know what the F to do. And I definitely found that. I was like, I've done so many things. I feel so much better. But like, how the heck do I get over the food guilt? How the heck do I get over the body image issues and not attaching my worth to exercise because I had finally broken free of, you know, doing exercise every day. But I was like, well, but how do I add it back in? It was like all these questions that were just like floating around in my brain that I was so confused about that I needed the answers to. And unfortunately, I did not go and get those answers in a way that was as succinct and as easy. But luckily, with support of finally telling the people around me, and funny enough, actually from Instagram, you know, I had shared my story at this point. Well, actually, it was a little bit after this point, but I shared my story on YouTube. I was really reaching out to people and community that related to me. I was following accounts that were helpful to me and I was able to like struggle my way through to the end, especially in conjunction with what I had learned in school. And then I was able to invest in therapy in the tail end of that. And that really helped to, to push me to that point of full recovery. And I also think that the things that helped me a lot, although they can be really cliche, is, you know, I had a wonderfully supportive partner. I had really supportive friends and people in my life that held me accountable. I took on challenges readily. 
I did have the advantage of knowing how to set goals myself from school. And I do think that's often the hardest part for people. And that's why in Live Unrestricted, we focus so much and we actually set your goals for you and with you every single week, which is massive so that you actually stay on track and you have that accountability. But I basically had a built-in accountability partner and a therapist and my boyfriend and myself from setting the goals. And even on Instagram, I felt like I almost owed it to the people that were following me to, to be at that really good point for myself. And so I reached a point where I knew I had recovered and it actually took me a little while to share it on Instagram just because, I don't know, it felt like I was nervous. I was nervous to feel recovered. It felt so weird to not have these rules and to totally feel free. And I almost didn't believe that I could ever get there. So it was like I was second guessing it. I'm like, am I sure that I actually have recovered? Like, is this truly possible that I've gotten to this place? Like, I literally was a person that thought this would never happen. I did not believe that I could ever do this. And and yet I'm here. Am I sure? But I did. I did fully recover and I am fully recovered. And every single year, every single day, I just feel so grateful and even better because I'm even more convicted in the fact that I'm able to just fully live my life now. And although I would honestly, I wouldn't change it because I know it led me to where I am. But if I could go back and make a decision in my life that was different, that could make the biggest impact on how it would turn out, it would be getting help right away. Getting help in high school, even before I was ready, and having help throughout this whole time. I missed out on so many experiences, guys, so many memories that I could have had, so many friendships that I lost, relationships that I ruined and just so much time being so selfish. And I don't mean selfish in a way of like I was a bad person. It's just like eating disorders, struggles with food, they make us more selfish. They make us more self-absorbed. And I can't even imagine how different life would have been if I had just been able to get that support, if I had been able to do a program like Live Unrestricted, if I had been able to just believe that I deserved to heal and bet on that one little piece of me that was ready and told people and just all of the things. And I know that even as I went through that, you may be kind of like, okay, you kind of confused me. Like it's not a very clear cut journey that you had. How would you even say that's a recovery journey? And I, I totally... I totally get that. You know, I, I, it is confusing. My journey is not clear cut. It's not the way I would suggest anyone going about it. And I honestly feel afraid to share it a lot of the time because I worry that someone will listen to it and think, Ooh, that means that I should do this on my own. You know, she did it on her own or she only had a therapist. And that's my biggest fear when I share. And I just hope more than anything, if you listen to this, Please don't take that away from it if you have the ability to get help. If you truly do not have the resources, you do not have the money, and I totally understand that there are people that that have that, 
then I do hope that this can give you that motivation that to not give up and to not think that recovery isn't an option for you. And I have developed free resources, you know, this podcast and my free training and just even my Instagram in general to hopefully help you along that journey. But if you are one of those people that can get the help, please do it. It's so, 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 so worth it. I actually had a list of takeaways that I wanted to share from with you guys, but I feel like I have talked for so long. This is a full hour and I don't want to keep jabbering on. I really hope that you enjoyed this and that it spoke to you. I feel like the person that's meant to hear this, you're listening to it. I feel like the person that listened to this point, you're meant to hear this. And there's probably this kind of nagging voice throughout this whole podcast that has been there telling you something, maybe something that you haven't been wanting to hear. And I really urge you to listen to it. I know how scary it is to feel like you're the exception. I know how hard it is to make the decision to get help, to tell a friend, to tell your family, to invest in yourself, to spend the time, to trust and take a chance that it could work. Because let's be honest, it's a lot easier to not take the chance because then we don't even have the option to fail. And failure can feel even scarier because it's easy to stay in our comfort zone, guys. It's easy. It's easy to keep doing the same things. But this is what makes believing you're the exception a self-fulfilling prophecy. You believe the exception, so you continue to do the same things that make you feel like you're the exception, and you never break out of being the exception because you're doing everything that has led you to feel that you're the exception. And the only way to make a change and the only way to grow and the only way to not be that is by taking that chance and stepping outside of your comfort zone because growth only happens outside of your comfort zone. So this is your sign to do something. If you just want to talk with someone about something that could help, apply to Live Unrestricted. It is not going to hurt anything. We only accept people that are the right fit. We do a consult call with you. We look over your application and we can talk. And if it isn't the right monetary fit for you, or it isn't the right fit in terms of how the program is set up, we can connect you with other options. We can mention something that is less expensive. We can talk about ways that you can feel supported. Because the main thing we care about at Live Unrestricted, me and the other dietitian that works with me, is you getting help. That is what I'm so passionate about. So do please... I should say. It's not nice not to say please. Please do something today to take one step forward, whatever that looks like for you and your recovery. And wherever you're at in it, I promise you it will be worth it. And I appreciate you so much for listening to this. If you feel like there's someone that you know that could benefit from this, I would love if you shared it. If you did find this episode enjoyable and you like this podcast, I would love nothing more than if you gave it a rating or review on Spotify or on Apple. 
It really means the world to me to have your feedback and to know what you enjoy from the podcast. And thank you for listening to my story too. It's sometimes scary to share, even though I've done it for years now on Instagram, especially when it gets vulnerable and especially when I feel like I did something that wasn't necessarily the right way to do it. But it seemed like that was what I was being called to that, Wow, that was not English. It seems like that was what I was being called to do today. So anyways, I'm not really making sense right now at the end of this. So I'm going to stop it now while we're ahead. And it is now 8.51. So I'm going to hop right to uploading this and getting it ready for you guys tomorrow. I can't wait to see you guys back here next week for a more normal topic where we go over all the things. I'm not going to go into it. Okay. This has been enough. I love you guys. Have the best rest of your day, evening, week, everything. <laughs>